MFs, welcome to Hustle Like You Broke, episode 62. Recording early March, we should be dropping on the 9th. We've seen two states open up for business already. Texas, Mississippi. No restrictions, no masks, no distancing. Too little too soon, in my opinion. Is it a coincidence the two states that got most fucked up from the cold and snow a couple weeks back are the states that have decided to reopen? Dallas, as our resident pseudo-Southerner, what do you say to that? I think that might be an underlying reason, yes. Are people even aware that Jackson, Mississippi, which is a major city, is still without water in substantial sections? That's... I mean, how are people not even talking about that? Why is FEMA not there? Or are they? It's because they're 80% black is the unfortunate reality I would posit. And that is a fucking tragedy. Um, On the other hand, you know, in this era of fake news where I don't know what to think and nobody knows what to you know, what's what's real anymore? Even the left-leaning news sources are giving us only one side of the stories. I, I'm left wondering, you look at Georgia, on paper, the percentage of cases is going down. In, on, in Florida, Dallas, Bex, one of our guests today, on paper, the numbers are going down. Are they not testing? Are they not reporting? Have more people had it than we're aware? I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. And any thoughts on that, Dallas? I think, well, in the state of Florida, we've had a lot of issues with um, the reporting and the watchdogging of said reporting. So um, who knows? And our governor, who's a real leader of sorts, um, yeah, there's him. So, you know, he's up there with Mr. Texas and Mr. Mississippi. So, and, you know. We will pay the consequences as usual. Well, as a nonpartisan podcast that we are, I suppose we leave that where it is and our guests can interpret accordingly. But I suppose to Brother Hamilton, the good news here is if more states are opening, more business is likely to get done this summer. I know you've been wanting to claim some credit for that. You've been saying it for a long time. Here's your opportunity. Well, my son starts school five days a week, April 6th. April 6th. So if schools are opening up wide open, everything else is following suit. Like I told you, the Chargers charge my credit card eight grand. We're going back. Work is here. Uh, just a few more little tweaks to make things happen. But, you know, we've been shut down for a year. This be, I, for, I don't know the number of actual people, cases that they said, but it's probably 10 times that. We just don't know because, as you say, the data is is or is not there. Um, I'm just glad that we're moving in the right direction of getting back to being able to finally work and just, you know, live again. 
Well, you heard it, everybody. Only a couple little tweaks. We are that close. Only a couple little tweaks, and we will be there. Meanwhile, Hell, they shut down California, and we still we couldn't do shit. And you still had the most. So, <laughs> would the shutting it down really do anything? I don't think so. Well, it depends on how many people are actually following those rules and restrictions. But anyway, meanwhile, we talked last time about how the Tokyo Olympics seemed to be on track moving forward. I've heard that story back and forth go both ways several times over this past week alone. Questions about cases rising again in Tokyo. Questions about how many countries are actually going to send athletes. How many of these countries, a lot of the Southeastern Asian countries don't even have a vaccine yet. So what is going to be done? Are they going to participate? Does that put any sort of restrictions? I don't know. Well, they'll be fine because everybody else who's there vaccinated, so they'll be all right. We'll see. We shall see. (laughs) Definitely an indicator. But... Back to concert business here in the States, I do want to call attention to two festival announcements that I've seen this past week. One of which was not Coachella. One of which (laughs) was Afropunk, which unveiled their April 2021 Black Spring event. Now that is primarily virtual, but this is smart. They are going to be hosting COVID-safe in-person watch parties around Miami, around Baia Brazil. It was very much an Afro-Cuban festival, so that that, that makes, well, not Afro-Cuban, Afro-Caribbean, I believe they say. Uh, so I'm not sure why Baia Brazil. If anybody else does, please tell me why, but that was the announcement. Um, but I thought that was interesting. In-person watch parties. Seems like a safe Smart alternative to all virtual. I also noticed this morning, Life is Beautiful announced ticket sales for their September 17 to 19 live and in-person event in Vegas. So if I'm not mistaken, that's the first large-scale festival in the States to be announced this fall. We also know Reading and Leeds is supposedly happening end of August in the UK. I've heard rumblings that it might be UK-only talent. On the other hand, they put tickets on sale, making leading fans to believe that Post Malone was still headlining, along with, honestly, I don't even know who else. Stormzy. Well, Stormzy is UK-based, so he could be there anyway. Um, But, you know... Who knows? That is a good sign. That is a good sign. Like Brother Hamilton said, only a couple of tweaks away. So there it is. His lips to God's ears. We know how that is. As for another headline in the news today, one thing I want to point out, this is actually from Lighting and Sound America. I've started subscribing to their newsletter. And the headline was transform your old PAR 56 or PAR 64 into an energy efficient fixture. Now, I don't know how many lighting video companies are doing that. I don't know how many audio companies or otherwise might be working on energy efficient alternatives. But of course, we all know that the old school PAR 64s are one of the biggest energy sucks on any major show. So I was very impressed by that headline. 
I hope that that becomes a norm, a standard, as we talk about sustainability and environmental impact week after week on this podcast. So let's jump in. We're on a roll lately. Last week, we had Kimberly telling us about her background in NPOs, working with 501c3s. This week, another 501c, 501c, 501c3. We have Bex Campbell and Claire Murphy from Sound Girls in the house. Bring them out in just a second, but just a quick overview. Becky Campbell, who we will refer to today as Bex, is a front of house monitor engineer and owner of B4 Media Productions, producing corporate events, festivals, and live shows. She manages crews, trains employees, mixes sound, and teaches AV technologies. She has worked with the Indigo Girls, Altman Betts Band, the Commodores, Julian Marley, Gary Puckett and Union Gap, and so many more. And like Brothers Banks and Hamilton, she got her feet wet as the tech director and front of house engineer at two mega churches. In her case, Hallelujah, there you go. That's what's that. <laughs> Get your Luya on. There you go. <laughs> We're definitely going to talk a little bit about that today because that somehow has taken over a number of our discussions here. I was like, you broke. Claire Murphy, on the other hand, tour manager and backline tech, guitar tech for Vance Joy these past three and a half years, most recently worked with Pink in stadiums across Europe. She also has a business providing storage to, to the music industry in London, where I believe she, I know she is from, I believe, are you based in London or are you here in the States, Claire? I'm, I'm here. I'm in Long Beach, California. Claire is in Long Beach. She has also worked with Tegan and Sarah L. King, who's a badass, by the way. The Ravenettes. This list is long and and crazy. Sylvain Sylvain from the New York Dolls, which is fucking cool. Adam Ant, which is hilarious. Gang of Four. <laughs> Big fan of Gang of Four. Drummer Hugo Burnham is somebody I've known for a long time. He was in the band, left the band, came back in the band. Be curious if he was there when you were there. But either way, Bex, Claire, thank you for being with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Well, one of you, I suppose, from the outset should just give us an overview on Sound Girls. Now, my first question thereafter actually is going to be to Claire. So, Bex, why don't you take that first (laughs) one? Uh, All right. Uh, Sound Girls is an organization that was created um, by Carrie Kais and Michelle Shibolacek-Patinano, basically to help support women in professional audio and um, knowing that the women in our industry make up only like 5% of of our industry. Um, It was started to bring notice to that and to help bring in other women. Uh, in the industry, and then also um, inspire and empower the next generation of women to get involved at a younger age. So we started off by doing um, like summer camps for young girls and things like that. And now we have mentorship programs where those of us who've been in audio for years um, and just no one knew about us, you know, (laughs) including the younger girls, uh, to be able to say, hey, you know, we're here and we're going to hold your hand while we pull you up the ladder, you know, <laughs> and uh, break this glass ceiling. So that's basically what we're all about. Excellent. Excellent. So, Claire, you wrote a book 
called Girl on the Road, How to Break into Touring from a Female Perspective. So why don't we just get right into it? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that perspective and kind of let us know how your path in the industry might be different from that of a male counterpart? Uh, okay, strain. Um, <laughs> well, m- well, my path briefly was um, went to university, and when I was when I was going to university, it was early two thousands. Hardly any courses on music. It was music theory, than you know more than music production. So I did I did find a course, music production, studio stuff. I didn't really want to do any studio you know, audio things I wanted to be in a band or tour with a band. But, you know, there was absolutely no pathway for that. And, you know, I was from a small town, so I didn't know anybody. All I knew was going to concerts and seeing the people on stage. And the the gap between being the person in the audience, seeing the person on stage is huge or was huge. So the reason behind the book is to try and bridge that gap and just you know if if you're interested in trying to get on tour where do you start and it it basically breaks down what I think personally because there's many paths um what I think you should do um essentially it's save up a bunch of money so that you can take about six months to dedicate your time to getting a job on tour and I think that goes for any kind of freelance job anything because you need to be able to put yourself out there potentially work for free i know that's a whole other debate um i don't know if it's necessarily different for guys but i only ever saw guys on tour so i had no one to relate to i had no one to ask no one to talk to no mentors who are women so it's not necessarily trying to cut you know guys out of it it's just trying to be more welcoming for women and girls. And here it is, here's how I did it as a woman. Well, I, I mean, honestly, the fact that you said only six months, I, it, to me, is the only thing in there that I could possibly take exception to. I think for a lot of us, it takes much more than six months to really get in and latch on and and make something happen. But um I, I Maybe mean, we she's talk- a fast learner, or they're fast learners. I mean, well, I, I mean, always six leave- months was a relatively low number for it's me. Not, my it's path. not six <laughs> months to learn your craft. It's uh, you know to get. It depends where you're coming from. You know, my job as you know, guitar backline tech or tour manager as well. Um, you need to go and do that job. If you're learning audio, of course you can. You can do. A three-year course you can do a five-year course you can be in at a sound company for years and years and years and you have to like you know learn a lot of stuff but for teching even like working in a guitar shop is very different to being on the road you know they, they unless they've toured they they have everything at their disposal they have like woodworking machines and everything it's, it's completely different so i'm coming from my perspective of touring specifically and of I, I, you know it probably is different a little different on the audio side, you know, and it's a little. I don't want to so say you're basically saying six higher, months to get the the rhythm of how everybody maneuvers on the road. Six months to basically do that. six months to just get on tour. I think once you're, you're on six tour, months you're, you're to in get in a there. job. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, I so think that's sti- enough. So let's stick with that for a minute. I have to be honest. 
I don't remember ever seeing a female backline tech. Exactly. And, and I know there, well, right. I know <laughs> there are a handful of you, but I've I honestly don't. Personally. Yeah. And, and, and we heard from somebody recently, I don't remember who it was, but they made the specific comments that if you are a female drummer out there and you are looking to get a job on the road and you are not in a band that is actively touring, become an amazing drum tech. And I, I mean, at the time I thought just like it is right now is, but I've never seen a female backline tech, but you kind of made it sound easy. Obviously you're smarter than I am, uh, but six months, boom, you're a world-class guitar it's not, tech. It's not easy. It's not easy. But if you buy my book, it'll be a lot easier. <laughs> I was waiting for that there line. That's the line I was waiting for. There Smart ladies, I mean, the book. I mean, I do say in the book, you know, whilst you're building up these reserves to take the time off, you should be networking. You should be, you know, reaching out to people, making connections, all of that. The six months is to give yourself time to sit at home and wait for the call to come in for something because you know you can say to someone i want to go on tour and they'll be like okay well next time an opportunity comes up whatever but you know that might be a while and a lot of people don't have they're not in a situation where they can sit and wait they have to take a job and then when you're in a job and someone says can you go on tour tomorrow next week you know because you never really get six months notice they you know it's going to be more day. difficult for them to leave that available? job yeah, so you need to sit and be available. And I think that's where the six months comes in. You know, and you go all in for that six months. And, and you know, I mean, you should be able to get somewhere. Well, I, I certainly hope you're right. I, I live in Boston, and Berkeley College Music is just a few miles down the road. I pass by there all the time. There are tons of female musicians, which to me, again, there aren't a ton of female musicians on tour either, let alone female backline techs. Growing number, fortunately. Want to see more women in the crew, fortunately. A lot of those women who are not going to get jobs just as the guys, I hope they're considering becoming a tech if they are not uh, you know, an audio engineer also, well, I, a lighting I, I think technician the, or what have you. I think the problem is they don't know that's a job. Exactly. People don't know because they also don't see, unless you go to a Vance Joy concert, you don't see me on the stage. And there's a handful of us, but right. it's not the norm. Uh, and, and for some people, if they don't see it, they're not going to think about it. You know, well, I, just, I was like, oh, I, I actually did see a, a female bass tech and I did see like a female tour manager on stage. I remember it was at a festival with Peaches and, and I was like, oh, how, how do I get to do that job? Whatever she's doing on stage. I need to do that. And I was just at a loss. So, you know, that we need to, there needs to be the exposure. Exposure. Uh, that, that, yeah. That's the word I was going to use also. That's what we talk a lot about how, what most people know of the crew is limited to one singular image of the ratty middle-aged guy in, in all black <laughs> that drops the, you know, the mic, stands downstage center and, you know, in the shadows and then runs off the stage or else runs on and hands the guitar to the guitar player and runs off. And that's all most people know. But we here at Hustle Like You Broke are, of course, looking to expose more, expose more people. We love what you are doing at Sound Girls. And Bex, back to you. I mean, you said, and I don't know if it, you said it is or it was 5% of the touring population 
that is female? What it, uh, it's it's please. it's currently well, it was five percent when we started Sound Girls, so I think it's probably like six percent now. But it's not it's not huge, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a very low number. Um, like construction has more women in it than sound. Well, that's so, an interesting yeah, thought. Yeah, I, I've yeah. never thought about it in those terms, but that's very interesting. Yeah, it's, it it's, kind of there's you been, kind of stole my question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's there's been a bunch of studies out about it actually, and there's a couple blogs on the Sound Girls uh, page that you can look at too that have the stats and everything in it. It's real interesting, um, and and that's kind of one of the reasons that we want to do this, right? Is for the exposure and talk more about Sound Girls and get more of us out there and mentorship too. You know, um, I went and mentored a Sound Girl myself and I've been in this business for years, but I've never done giant arena tours. So I went and followed around Annette Goulafoyle, who's a monitor engineer for Florence and the Machine because she has been doing it for years and she's been over in the UK and she, you know, like I didn't know who she was, but she had a mentorship thing on the Sound Girls. And I was like, I want to do that. She's coming to Orlando. I saw that. I saw that. And yeah. I was like, that would be very cool to just learn as anybody, you know, yeah. as, even as guitar tech, just like that. yeah. that's an, an amazing opportunity for girls coming up now. Yep. I mean, I was in the industry 11 years before I saw another woman doing what I do. And I mean, I, when I was in, when I was in recording school in 94, we had one girl in the class of the class of 60. Mm -hmm. And, I don't know what she's done since then, but in my mixing career, I've seen maybe women behind the console. I've seen maybe max 10 out of 28 years. Yeah. And, and, and I only know a few of them and a couple of them I've met through you, Kyle. So yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that is, you know, women weren't taught when you were in elementary school that you could do one of the STEM things, you know, or, or any of this for a business or a job or, a, you know, roadies weren't looked at as being female back in the day, you know, and, and aren't a lot now still, but uh, I think we're making strides. We're I mean, I, I think it's a good point to make that even with the male's counterpart, that the career that you can have on tour is a fantastic career you know you mm -hmm. can make a lot of money in this industry and you know kids aren't told that you can have this as a career doesn't matter but whether I, you're a girl or a boy I, right but i'd also right. like to bring up the fact that i think a lot of us forget it's still a relatively new industry so i Agreed. think you know we need to recognize that part of the story you know, it hasn't been around for thousands of years. It's only been around for 60 odd years. And I think it's an important part of the dynamic, you know, and we need to keep our eye focused on that as well as introducing more people and making it more aware because we've also spent many years hiding. Like the whole point of going to a show was to not know what happened to make that show happen. People buy a ticket, they go for a magic experience. They're not, they don't want to know what your CV is or my CV is. They could care less. They want to hear a good show. They want to see a great show and they want to be engaged. And, you know, just like, you know, you may not be interested in the stock exchange and you don't want to watch what somebody does all day long <laughs> when they're buying and selling stocks. I mean, it's all part of the same story in a sense that it's only now with this world that we live in with everything is overexposed we are now exposing the reality that we have jobs. And it's only now that people are actually retiring in this business because it's, I mean, look at the leaders, you right. know, we're lucky to still have our leaders around, but when you look at the production leaders in this business, they're there, but they are the beginning of the end, so to speak. Cause it's, you know, it's soon that they're not going to be on the road with us and that'll be a whole new type of retired person. Well, know? so, so a lot of small points that we just covered just in the last couple of minutes for one 
exposure to the industry is not widespread in the first place, let alone to women in particular. We can talk about construction. And I suppose what's not surprising about percentage of women in construction as a point of comparison is that you can see a construction firm and construction workers in every town, everywhere across the globe, but you do not see large-scale concert productions in all of those places, like Claire said before. To be standing in the audience and see that person working behind the scenes on stage the first reaction in what limited capacity you have that opportunity and that exposure in the first place, the first reaction is just to think of how far removed you must be from that person and what it takes to get there. The other thing is there, there just hasn't been a lot of respect and credibility to working behind the scenes on tour. There still isn't right. to this day there, you know, there's respect and credibility in being an agent to a certain, to, to being a promoter, to being a manager, all things being relative. Dallas is making faces for our listeners, but all things being relative as compared to being a crew person, a crew person is often looked at like the underside of somebody's foot. I mean, you you hear people, and I'm not going to say who, but going on CNBC and referring to the crew as basically rodeo hands. And I mean, not basically, he used the term rodeo hand twice. So I'm not going to say who, why not? Gonna, you know, go Expose down this that human. Road. Expose we, this human. We've done that before. I'm not trying to. But, I mean, we've all been circulating around the question about touring is very much kind of a quote-unquote man's world still. Percentage-wise, women are not a dominant force, but increasingly so. And and Dallas, we you know, we talk about I, – I actually have retired. I haven't retired, but I've less and less I've been talking about the – badass women on tour. And the reason that I've been saying it less and less is because the women that seem to thrive in the concert industry, they basically have to be badass women in order to put up with bullshit. So what do you say, Bex, Claire, either one of you, when you encounter that male dominant bullshit attitude on the road? Depends what day it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, well said. How about, how about let's well start with well put, well put. <laughs> it's been a while, so I'm happy to see any of them <laughs> right now. Right, right. <laughs> I'll, I, right now, I feel like my tolerance is is pretty high. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe Bex can take over. It's, it's, it really yeah, I, I'm with you there, Claire. I, my tolerance is pretty high. Call me whatever the hell you want. Let's just get back to work, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I. I in June. Yeah, in June. <laughs> Feel free to jump in on whether you agree or disagree with that, too, by the way. That's just Call my Kyle opinion. Up. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing. Aren't we my supposed opinion. to be vaccinated be by the end of May? So, so yeah, let's go June. Supposed let's to go be. June, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Well, in, Flo- in Florida, they basically are just open doing all sorts of crazy shit right now. So You can go to work in <laughs> Dallas right now. Wide open and Mississippi. That's, that's what I hear. Tour. Okay, back on track. <laughs> I don't even remember what your question was now. <laughs> My question was, what do you say when you encounter? But you, you know, don't. An I attitude. Mean, Matt, Go the ahead. point is to to have a career in it, especially if you know without. Uh, telling on anyone, but you know, if you've been in the business for 10, 20 years and you're female, you shut up and you get on with it. I mean, you're not there to make a story. You're there to do your job if you're smart. And if unfortunately things may happen to you or you may see things, but 
I you know, whether it's sad that. or otherwise, the end of the day results in if you care about what you do, focus on what you do, and then you deal with those other battles in other ways. But it's okay. not okay, a welcome society to question. hear those stories. Here's my follow-up question. I appreciate that response, and, and I appreciate that attitude. But I also have to say my follow-up question to that is, I am aware, have seen firsthand the very real phenomena of women who don't support other women trying to come along in the business. And I understand Sound Girls represents the opposite of that. But let's be honest, it's there. So speak to that, Bex. Uh, well, I will. I mean, I was, I was one of two girls when I went to college for this, you know, and, uh, I was told by an instructor, you know, there's a position for one of you, you're, you're going to have to step on each other to get to the top. And I did, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of it that I did that to another woman, but that was what it was back in the early nineties. You know, there was one slot I was going to take it, you know, and, uh, I've since apologized and felt bad about it since, but you know, that's, I worked my ass off to get where I was and I pushed anybody I could over just to get in, you know, and it was, it was rough back then, you know? And, um, you know, as far as guys rubbing each other and saying the wrong things and, 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 comments and all those other kind of things. I I gave it back as much as I got it, you know, and that's just kind of, that's how I learned how to get my foot in the door and, and keep going, you know, and obviously the more I've grown up and changed a little, you know, if I'm going to argue with somebody or have a conversation, I don't do it in front of every single person on the stage anymore. You know, I'll pull them off to the side, but I think some of that just comes with maturity too. (laughs) Sometimes Fair you need an audience when you're getting that ass, so. <laughs> no, no, to get a receipt of what you really said as opposed to what you didn't say and was said. I like to cuss people out in front of people. For witness. Yep. I, I, I had one of those moments just last week, I'll be honest. You know, I had a guy just saying some dumb shit like all day and I was the boss on the crew and he just kept going on and on and on. And I finally, mm-hmm. I mean, in front of everybody. And I finally just turned and looked at him and I said, hey, Stop being a dick, you know? And he was like, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm like, you might not be trying to be one, but you are being one. And he was like, yeah, and then said some dumb shit to me. And I just went back to him and said, you know, mm-hmm. oh, he called me a bitch. And I said, well, this bitch signed your paycheck today. So either you can sit down and shut up or do your job. And that's kind of where mm-hmm. I was, you know, at that moment. It's 18 hour day and at hour 16, this is where we're at. You know, <laughs> I need to get this right. stuff done and I don't need the mouth, you know? Okay. Okay. What about you, Claire? To my to my question about women not supporting other women. Have you seen that? What do you say to that? The only really the only thing that comes to mind is when I was first trying to get my foot in the door and, and I did know um this woman who was a tour manager and I just you know, I, I she wasn't very helpful to me. Um she just basically didn't help me, not saying that she did anything she put you know wrong. Um apart from that, I haven't really I haven't really experienced it. I mean, and I am, you know, I, I have a lot of um other females passing on jobs for me. Like I have guys passing on jobs. Like I don't I don't see I feel like it's more supportive, actually, from my experience. We're all trying to help each other. Uh and maybe it's because I know a lot of uh, women within sound girls are all just, you know, there's, there's, I think there's enough work for everybody and there's enough work to bring people 
up. Uh, and it, you know, and there's enough work to have guys and girls, and you know, we we can all get along. It's like you say on tour when the guys, the older guys, maybe aren't just aren't used to having females around. And it changes the dynamic, and there is a way of talking to us that you don't know unless you're a female. You just you you wouldn't know. And so it's how do we deal with that? And like I say, on some days it's better than other days, but it's just going to change in time. So we just have to keep going, I think. Okay. Well, I, I, I'd say let's move on, but I do want to stick with this topic for a minute longer. And just one, but I, 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 I want to be mindful that pretending like the industry sees everybody equally is incorrect. And we, True. when we talk to people of color all the time, I'm they security. say, "They well, right? They basically <laughs> they say those who say we're all alike are white, and those yeah. who say everybody should treat each other alike are white, and they are in denial of the fact that there is an inherent inequality in the way the the industry operates, and I think that is equally true." of women. So the one more question I want to ask on that same line of topic is in your experience and Bex, well, both of you, I guess, own companies. Are are women more likely to hire other women nowadays? What is, what is your experience with that, Bex? I don't think they're more likely to. I think uh, we see a part of the industry that hasn't been there. So, you know, it, you're going to hire who, you know, first of all, that's like, you know, this person came by referral from this person, this person, you know, if it's all guys, that's probably who you're going to hire. Um, and I, I'll go on referrals all day long, but I also look outside my comfort zone. And I also look outside whatever my prejudice has been, you know, um, like I've been made aware of that in the last 10 years for myself personally. And now I strive to like, look, who's the best person for the job, not just because I know them, you know? And or because they're a woman or because, you know, they're black or they're non-binary or binary or whatever, you know, like I don't I try not to like, oh, hey, let's make sure we have two women to every two guys, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing, just because I think that's just as much prejudice as anything else, you know, um, but, but and, we, we should have more of a pool of people to choose from. Right. Agree. agree. It, it, yep. And then you can have who's the who's the top five and then maybe there's three females instead of being top five guys. Okay. So Claire, how long have you been living in the States for out of curiosity? Five and a half years, I think. Okay. So not especially long. And you continue to operate a business in the UK, a storage facility. Is that correct? Yeah. It was a van rental company and storage. And then I sold the vans when I moved over here. So now it's just, just storage. Copy. And do you want to tell us who it is called? People can look at, keep a lookout. Uh, it's, it's kind of full. It's not really, it's kind of a secret storage. It's <laughs> got it. Why not taking on new clients? Uh, got it, got it. There, there might be some like <laughs> secret <laughs> government, no like the the no MI6 like type shit going on here. It's like shell. Got it. Okay. It's okay. Not, so it's not at all. It's um, a CIA front that, uh, and the taxes are filed in Switzerland. I file taxes everywhere I go. Um, it's a pain in the ass. Uh, it's basically just there um, 
in case I need, I kept it in case I wanted to go back to the UK. So, you know, I've still got a bank account and still have an apartment, blah, 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 blah. Everything's still set up and running, but I'm not like actively doing anything. Okay. Fair enough. Didn't mean to, you know, put you on the spot or anything. The IRS um, is going to be calling now. I'm going to come out <laughs> you. I mean, you were, you were pretty good about selling the book. You went out of your way not to sell the storage facility. There's definitely something here. Where, you know, when people say there's no there there, like, come on. Anyway. Um, Underground the storage that, wars. <laughs> okay. The reason that I asked the question to be honest, was I was just curious how attitudes might be different in the UK from here in the States, or or perhaps not. Attitudes to what? Everything that we're talking about? Women? No, towards, towards <laughs> things we haven't spoken about yet. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> quite broad. You know, where do I start? Um, I, I left that open-ended, yes. I actually think there's more opportunity over here. Um Apart from that, uh, it's you know it's very similar, but there's there's more opportunities here as as a female. Uh, there's bigger tours, more tours. Everyone starts from the U.S. You know, uh, it's just I don't I don't think there's anything different necessarily in the U.S. promoting more females over the U.K. or or discriminating. I think we're all in the same pool. Um, yeah. And and does Sound Girls operate internationally? I understand that you're based. I understand people tour internationally, but are you placing people internationally? Is Sound Girls an international operation? Yeah, yes, we have, we have branches all over. So like uh, chapter chapter heads in the UK and chapter heads in South America, uh, in Canada, well, a few other places I can't think of. But like uh, yeah, so like Ireland. Uh, Australia, different chapter heads all over. Okay. So let's get back to sound girls then. And let, and let's be up front that as I understand it in a, no, not non-discriminatory way. Sound girls is not just about audio primarily, but not exclusively. How, how does that break down? Um, I guess even more presumably founded as an audio company and then expanded. Claire, why don't you speak to that? Uh, well, I, I just work with Sound Girls. Um, just make that clear. I'm, you know, I wasn't part of founding it or anything. I came across it because when I was in the UK, a friend of mine, I think Carrie had been looking for a female tech for a band. And a friend of mine in the UK, Kimberly, sent it to me and said, you're the only female tech that I know of here. And I was like, oh, what's this Sound Girls? Um, I met up with Carrie uh, when we when I came over to the US. I've just forgotten what your question was. <laughs> Max, let me turn it back to you now. And, and, and you're actually, am I correct in saying you're actually on a board or the board? Is it a board of directors or, or, or a board affiliated with, with Sound Girls? Is that right? Who, me? No, you're looking at oh, me like I'm like, crazy. No. Tech support, you're fired. Yeah. Um, that's what I, I was of the impression that, that you sat on the board for, of Sound Girls. Is that right? I do no, not. I have no. bad information. We've right. never mm. heard of Sound Girls, Sound Matthew. We <laughs> don't even know what it is. Who is this Sound Girl? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, okay. <laughs> so I, I've just remembered you were talking about how did I – you know, backline with Sound Girls. Um, 
I, I think I, I've just kind of forced my way in to try and, you know, have it, you know, if anyone needs anything with, with backline guitar tech, I'm the, you know, the one person here, if you want to, you know, use me or whatever, um, knowing it's sound girls, doesn't matter though, you know, people can go there and they'll browse around. There's a lot of tour managers or wannabe tour managers on there. So, you know, you have to have, you have to start with a name, don't you? Okay, thank you. So you got it back to the question, right? So <laughs> Sound Girls is that you know you have backline techs. You do have lighting techs, video techs. Is that correct? I, I, I know of a bunch of lighting and video techs that are on the Sound Girls uh, page, you know, and uh, get information that way from uh, to try to connect with other women in that part of the industry. Um, mostly it's audio based, but also you know uh tour managing and merch and wardrobe text basically anything we all do backstage uh re-recording mixers people on movie sets that do audio uh all of that type of stuff everybody in our industry basically um just to try to connect and and get more people involved um so we're all all inclusive you know the guys are always welcome as well uh, but it's probably going to be mostly based around, you know, women on the conversations and what's happening with us. And and are we breaking into the industry and are we getting there and how can we help each other and what we can do? Um, I'm, I'm not on any board, but I am a chapter head uh, for the state. Chapter state of florida so that that's what you're looking for the chapter heads that's what uh, i was yeah. looking for see yeah. tech support you're not fired you gotta no, get your verbiage right <laughs> yeah so so that we have chapter heads all over the place and then uh there's a bunch of us who are also on mentorship programs uh so you can sign up and then uh it goes out to the mentees and uh we choose you know it's it's all split up that way so we do m multiple mentorships throughout the year with like one-on-one -on -one zoom calls and things like that with people so and Kyle, you look like you were going to ask a question. I was actually going to follow up the mentorship. You heard her do that little wiki, wiki, wiki with her vocal a minute ago. And, uh, and, and maybe that was where you were going. But jump no, in, but it was a couple of things. It was just weird. You know, when they were saying, well, we have guys and just <clears throat> men and, and everybody. I'm like, that's for me. I'm like, how, how would I, how would that look me? How are you going to do that? Well, Sound Girls hired me. I mean, I got hired through Sound Girls. It's just a weird kind of like, you know, <laughs> Sound Girls is just, in my mind, is only audio. But if a lighting person went through Sound Girls, just the way that they said it, it, it threw me off a little bit because it's like they do everything. Backline, lights, sound. It's like that word Sound Girls, for me, would only, I want to think, I would look for them for women engineers, uh, not everything in my personal opinion it was just like i was like yes yeah, it's, it's real broad stroke well, it's more a community for women to come together and with you know resources and to right. connect it's not for gotcha. you to come and hire somebody or matt to come and hire somebody i mean you of course you can go and look for someone but it, that it's not like a you know a, a linkedin yeah, so we do, we do so have a growing network. Uh, sorry, Matthew, I cut you off. But, uh, uh, we do have a growing network called the EQL, EQL directory, uh, and it's makeiteql.com. And you can go on there and put your resume on there and make sure all your you know stuff's in there. If anybody's looking to hire females, that's one place they can go, you know, to hire women and, uh, and uh, 
anybody that's connected with sound girls and anybody can actually go on there. It's, you know, it's an open forum. Well, that, let's, let's, helps. let's stick with that for a second then. Cause I wasn't actually familiar. So make it EQL.com is effectively a job board of sorts yeah. uh, for, for it. That, that is a, an extension of sound girls. Is that correct? That's yeah. What you're saying? Mostly like a, a, not a job board, but, but a place where we can host resumes and your bio and things okay. like that. So people can find you. And I, and to anyone at never famous, Jerome, if you're listening and anyone in your network, I would hope that you guys are in contact with one another and vice versa. I would hope yep. that anyone with make it EQL is also in contact with never famous doing a very similar thing. Yep. Um, so in creating and establishing these pipelines, it sounds like what you're saying is that where Soundgirl specializes is in mentorship opportunities. You mentioned workshops before. I'm aware that you facilitate day in the life experiences and what have you to bring people on tour. I understand what Kyle was saying. It would be odd if you were talking to a, a lighting tech backstage on tour and he was a middle-aged man who said, yeah, oh, I got my job from Soundgirls. But that doesn't make it any less viable a pipeline and an opportunity to right. experience that day in the life, to, to you know, be mentored. Again, we talk about creating pipelines to bring people into the industry all the time. Um, have either of you ever done kind of a day in the life experience with a young candidate that you can tell us about? Bex? Uh, I bring people with me all the time when I'm doing events, um, just because that's just the way I've always been. Even before Sound Girls, uh, I've always had a mentor or an intern or somebody uh, with me. So I've just continued that with the Sound Girls stuff. Um, I always have a second, you know, and somebody who probably doesn't know as much as I do, but it runs faster than I do. <laughs> Copy that. <laughs> Runs faster than you. Yes. And they better be paid for that, I'm sure, if they are running. They will. <laughs> Claire, what about you? Uh, yes. I had, um, I think, the last Man's Joy tour we did before the Pink tour, um, I think over about three months, I had sound girls coming to shadow me every day. We had some in South America, in Europe, in North America. Felt like it was everywhere, every day. Um, sometimes two and three because it was so popular that I was like, just let everybody come. I think it's so important that, you know, they can come and see with their own eyes what it's like to, you know, do a day, a day's work or at least see what, what, what goes on. It's impossible. You know, you can't even get backstage. Yeah. Can you, it's like the, the hallowed backstage pass. Uh, what if you want to actually go and see what's going on behind there? You don't want to go see, meet the band you want to go see like i did i want to see what what what's what, what's happening um and you know it's i think it's super important to give those opportunities it doesn't take you know it doesn't take any effort really you're getting an extra pair of hands um and it yeah i think it gives back so much yeah me too it was a great copy experience. that and out of curiosity as you're developing these these pipelines and, and these networks um, I guess, how are you getting to people? How are people learning about you? Are they primarily coming at you at the college age? Are you seeing high school age people? And are you able to target younger people 
to get interested. Uh, you know, before the pandemic, having the summer camps was a huge deal. Uh, obviously, we can't do that right now uh, with gathering a bunch of kids together in a room and stuff. But um, some colleges have reached out to us. I know there's a few here in Florida that have reached out to us. And we've taken a few people, you know, a couple of us sound girls uh, over to like a audio course in Naples and I brought in M32R, you know, and a couple of cables and we spent the afternoon teaching these girls how to game structure, you know, and how to wrap a cable and stuff like that. And that was literally their teacher emailed us and said, is this something you guys could do or would do? And yeah, we'll jump in and do it. Let's do it. You know, what a cool day. It was super fun day and a bunch of uh, the sound girls. It was before pandemic times, you know, but three or four of us from the Orlando chapter uh, I just threw it out on on the chapter email and was like, hey, anybody want to come jump in on this with us? And a bunch of the girls were like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Have fun. You know, and it was it was so cool to see like 10 and 11 year olds just light up, you know, when you were like, hey, so here's how you do this and here's how you do that. And then they're like, can you do this for a living? Like, can I go to college for this? Can I make money doing this? I'm like, I don't know, but <laughs> maybe if you get good enough. <laughs> All right. So you know? since since, you know, the inception of Sound Girls and you've done all these workshops and, you know, um, mentorships and, and shadowing um, days, how many have actually how many have you been able to say, look, now you're ready and, and you're now putting them to work or they're working in the industry now or it's just they want to come see it for the day it's hot it's cool oh this is too rough i can't handle it i'm not trying to do that so what's the actual rate of from nothing to figuring it out to now i'm working and i'm making money in the career in, in this in this um discipline i honestly don't know that answer do you know the color no i don't i don't have any figures for that all from the, the girls that came uh, to shadow me uh, but i do know a lot of them were studying at that time when they came um well again which is you know goes back to my be available there was there was a girl in europe who was available and came to three consecutive shows because she enjoyed it so much came to the next one came to the next one um she is actually um doing merch on a tour and working with various artists or was um mm. so you know that would tie in with my theory that if you're available and you've got the conviction, you, you know, you'll, you'll find your way. Alternatively, you are studying, you took a day off to come and come and shadow. It's given you motivation, inspiration, you continue your studies, etc. I think it's, it's very hard to, to get some figures from there, but it's something we could look into because I'd be interested in. Yeah, it would be interesting, you know, good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'd be curious about that. I think that, you know, knowing the people that you've actually helped along the way and are now successful and then bringing them back would be extremely valuable. I think that, you know, I'd be curious to learn if you are cultivating new ways and what kind of new forward thinking, you know, virtual workshops or whatever you might be doing even now um, to be attracting future candidates to make uh, yourselves available and make sound girls known to more people as a means of cultivating more people, attracting them to the camps, attracting them to those one-off opportunities. 
Are, can you tell us about any such opportunities that that you're working on? Uh, yeah, uh, we're doing a lot of webinars. Uh, we have a YouTube channel also that has a bunch of uh, interviews on it and also some teaching opportunities. Um, I do know one of the chapters is about to do a s- online soldering training, which I think is super cool. Um, and, you know, they can sign up and get kits and everything and you can do it at home while you're watching it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that that's a cool little deal there. Um, I know uh, we have a webinar coming up about podcasting and how to start a podcast and and ask the ask, ask the experts is I think the the title of it. I'm I'm on there, but I'm not an expert. But um, I like to talk. So come on, <laughs> <laughs> self deprecation is yeah. all well and good. Yeah. But let's be honest. Bex is an expert. So. In a few these things. camps when they come back i my, i know my daughter went, went to a sleepaway camp a couple of years ago it got canceled last year they have told us it is 100 percent happening this summer are you planning camps in-person camps this summer and where i have not heard of any yet uh but it'll be on the sound girls website for sure if we are um, and then the Sound Girls private Facebook page also uh, has a ton of information on there. Uh, if you go to soundgirls.org, there's more information on all these things than you can shake a stick at. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going on all the time. So go find something fun to, lo- to do. There's, there's tons and of things. And why would you make your Facebook page private? It's a private page. Uh, obviously, if you answer the right questions and get into the page, then, then it weeds out some of the crazy, I think, you know. Okay. So barriers for entry are good in that respect. Yep. All right. I'll leave that alone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not my call. Not my call. (laughs) You understand. Um, So we've had a number of people on the podcast referencing the importance of pay transparency. I'm moving on to a new topic here. Now, it's not lost on me that all of those people who have expressed that interest in pay transparency have been female. That enough itself says something. What are your thoughts, Claire? Uh, well, I'm pretty transparent with my pay. I write it all, well, not my pay exactly, but I write out all the, uh, in the book, I say how much everyone can make. Um, I think we are brought up not liking to talk about or told not to talk about finances and pay. And I think we need to. Um, and yeah, I think the, the pay gap needs to, needs to be lessened. Um, and yeah, it's probably brought up by females cause we feel like we're not paid as much, but on the other side, you know, you, you ask what you're worth and if you're happy with it, go for it, you know? It's I I could argue both sides of the the coin here. Um, I don't know what everyone on my tours paid. Am I happy with what I'm paid? Yes. I I had the confidence to ask for what I wanted. So there we go. How do you feel about that, Matthew? I, I respect that. <laughs> I, I, I I respect Here's that. The question, I don't know. How did how you do, know what to ask for? How do you for? feel about that? <laughs> how did I know? How do you know you're getting well, a fair price? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess. Um, I mean, well, do you know what? I actually did ask uh, one of the crew members on Pink because uh, they were essentially mentors to me because I was, you know, stage right with them. 
Uh, it's been so long. I was like, wait, stage right or stage left? <laughs> stage right with those guys. And I was like, Let, you know, this is the time to ask all the questions to someone who's in a higher position than me, just like all the girls who come and shadow me. And I was like, I'm going to ask them, you know, what, what's a fair pay? How much would you get paid for this position? Blah, blah, blah. And he told me, and, you know, res total respect for that. Um, one of the girls shadowing me asked me, how much, how much do you get paid? And I told her. And how did I find out, you know, how much should I be paid? Well, it was my mentor back in the day. So, you know, get a mentor. That's another big thing I talk about. Ask the question, what, what should I be getting paid here? Um, what's realistic? You know, when you start out, you're not going to be paid X amount. Oh, you're not going to be paid six figures. You're not going to be paid $400 a day, whatever it is. Are you going to be happy with 50 bucks selling merch? I mean, you know, you've got to manage the expectations. So get a mentor. Um, but what's not cool is people not being paid the same for the same job, which is a different discussion. Bex, what do you say? I, I'm I'm going to echo everything she said. I mean, that's I, I think we should be transparent about it, you know, and we should all get paid to do what we do excellently, you know, and, and equally, <laughs> you know, just my two cents. I mean, I guess you could look at it that there's been a lot more guys before us, uh, you know, with more experience being potentially paid more, they, they, you know, there's more history there. So they know to ask for more and we're coming in and we just don't know. So again, find, find the mentor, ask. And, and again, just, you know, you, you could always ask for pay rise. Ask I mean, I, I, I did that. I mean, the, my last job, I countered, you know, and, and just said, Hey, I don't, I don't, I think that's a low ball number, you know, and here's what I've been paid in the past. And the, whoever the tour company was just emailed back and said, do you think you're worth that amount? Which I thought was an interesting question back. And I said, yes, I do. And they said, okay, we just want to know if you'd fight for it. And I was like, there you go. So that's the only reason I got paid that I would have gotten a way low number had I not have come back, you know, and I was taught that by a mentor of mine, you know, don't ever take the first thing out of the gate. <laughs> They'll lowball every time. Matt. Kyle, I was just going to say, Kyle. I had to clear my throat. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. So, so Kyle, you always throw out the, the highball number first. Is that right? I threw out what I deserve, and then we had to figure it out. And then on top of that, like, I'm six foot three. I'm not riding in coach. I'm working. I'm not here. I'm, I don't fly in coach on my own personal time. If I'm going to work, you're going to put me in business. Period. Kyle Hamilton, yeah. fly him private or he's not taking the gig. I didn't Boom. say private. I said I'm flying <laughs> <started> business. To. <laughs> I misspoke. I caught myself. But private is beautiful. I love private. But, um, you know, you got to get what you need. You know, you got to make it make sense. If you're going to leave your family and everything that you need to do, it has to make sense. Or else you might as well just work out of some random shit around, in, around your neighborhood. Well, I'm not going to tour the world watching artists fuck all kind of crazy money up and pay me what I could be making at shit McDonald's under the new minimum wage <laughs> <Right>. act. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm never going to do that. McDonald's no. is a respectable career for the, I'm just saying, I mean, I just do out of, I'm no, it's not, not necessarily. But I think I mean, you have to come from a point of 
having the confidence to say that and you can if they come back and say no then you're okay with that because some people are starting yeah, you have to be prepared to be to be told no you're 100 you right yeah. with that not need the work to be in a point of negotiating you know to be in a strong negotiating point that's very true and you have to have the credit the credits to to warrant that money that you're asking for Exactly. You can't just go in on your first tour and, and no, you know, not say, at all. I, they you need to find me no. business because I'm yeah, five when, when I was 18, I wasn't talking anything about business. Hey, I, I'm glad to get on a plane. Yeah. What? What? How am I getting there? You know, I, the things that I think about now versus then versus now <laughs> is two different worlds. Yeah. But it molded me. You know, when people say you're working for free, no, you work, you're getting knowledge you're getting education you're getting an experience so later down the line you could apply that like that'll never happen to me again because this happened and this is how it was fixed so now you have an experience that nobody can take away from me was that monetarily received no it was an experience but now when i'm re requesting these high figures if that ever were to happen it's a quick fix and nobody ever know anything went wrong but when you're trying to figure it out at 18 you know, this is what it is. So, you know, you know, when you're meant, when you're interning at a young age, you know, you're not getting the finances, but you're definitely getting life lessons that will help you down the road. So I never look at it as working for free until somebody is really trying to have you work for free. Well, because you are an asset, you're not a liability. So when people say, yo, well, can you do it for this? No, no, I can't. No, I'm not going to. But Matt, we want to see you Stop. come in there for the Stop. free 99. Stop. And you have experience. I, this is, this is our, our usual where Kyle, because Kyle and I have often had to negotiate deals with one another. And where he comes in throwing out the crazy, crazy number, I'm the one who, to Claire's point, says, Why is it crazy? And you think you're worth that? You're damn right. Justify that number. No, I see you here. This is where I need you to be. If you're going to fight for it, fight for it. You know, if you're prepared to walk away, walk away. If you don't want to take the job, don't take the job. You're 100% right. But you know, then when I accept it, don't try to change it once we've accepted it. That has nothing to do with me. Claire, go. <laughs> no. I had a coach once and he said budgets are fictional. And I think that's true because, you know, an artist will turn around and find 50 grand for some lights out of somewhere. So money you, is never a problem. Yeah. So well, yeah, fight I, for I, it, Kyle. On I, real, on real, Claire, on real I'm tour, with, no, what? I take that back. On real, on real tours with real situations going on, money is endless in theory. But when you're dealing with a, a brand new band, of course you got to figure it out. You got to. There's different tiers. When me, when yeah. when, when um, Matt and I bump heads, we bump heads on real situations, not on a startup artist. Because I know what I'm getting into. Uh, on the other hand, I think the operative thing that Claire just said is when the artist wants to find that money, that money is there. But if the artist is not saying go ahead and spend that blank check any way you want to. That money is still real, no matter how big yeah. that artist is. Well, my, you're, you're, my, you're very right. My coach also said that I should negotiate directly with the person hiring me, i.e. the artist, because it's coming out of their pockets. So Let me yeah. know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. I've seen that happen very often. <laughs> but 
<laughs> just just putting it out there, you know. I mean, how badass does that sound? If you're like, well, I want to I want to speak directly to the boss, you know. You're not wrong for that. You're not wrong for that. On on the last artist that Christine and Kyle and I worked together. I mean, full transparency, since Bex and Claire, you don't know this. I'm the one who did all the hiring and firing. So thus, the position that Kyle and I find ourselves in. On the other hand. There was one person, specifically one person, who had the relationship with the artist where he was able to go to the artist at one point and say, I'm not getting what I should be. And I agreed with him, but I had been put in a position where, you know, he was to be making X. And he went to the artist and said, this is my thing. And manager called me the next day and said, what do you think? And I said, I think he's right. And that person was rewarded for it. So I, I don't refute what you're See, that's saying. that's the wrong though, verbiage. It's though, not a reward. But to Dallas's, well, you're right. But to Dallas's <laughs> point, that that opportunity is rare. It, you know, it is. Yes, but it's it's more to the point that, you know, the, the money's there and, and the, the, the managers are often just trying to, Right. You know, and the get, fact that you just said it was a reward lets us know how you think about that. That's not no damn reward. Oh, I said he was rewarded because he that's not a took reward. the initiative no. to he put do his that. Foot down and he would have bounced. It's a fucking figure of speech. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's how you think. Yeah, I'm gonna reward you. I'm gonna give you a gift. Yes, <laughs> no gift. and take taxes out. <laughs> give you what you're worth and take taxes out. Moving on, Bex. Switching gears completely. We said it at the top of the show. You have an experience with the megachurches. The Luya, as Brother Hamilton would like to say. I'm sorry that Brother Banks is not with us today because the long-running joke with Brother Banks is he spent the first nine months of this coronation working with so many churches in California that the running joke was that his resume listed his biggest client ever, the Lord herself. <laughs> so tell us about your experience with megachurches. Tell us about how that kind of prepared you for, for what you're doing today, so forth. Uh, churches were where I, right out of college, what I started doing, you know, and, and I had a great mentor. We were on like an XL4 console. And he wouldn't let me touch it for a year. He would just let me sit there next to him and look at it and watch the rack of gear, which was a thousand compressors and what they all did and, you know, all these things. And I could ask any question and he would tell me anything. And uh, I learned a lot in that time. And, you know, the, the you can run into anything in churches, anything, you know, and back then it was like countrymen's were just on the market. So figure out how to EQ 12 of those when children are screaming in them and running across the stage. Oh, that's just a weekend, you know, and, and then <laughs> the next week it's like a yelling preacher and then somebody else who's got a microphone and thinks their mouth is where their stomach is. And, you know, so you're into corporate kind of stuff, you know, at that point, because corporate people, most of them don't know how to use a microphone properly, you know, so then that's these you run into all sorts of situations, then full bands, you know, uh, children's choirs, like all of that. So I feel like I got my feet wet in most things I have actually been able to do in my profession, but church, man, it kind of prepared me for a little bit of everything, I think. Okay. And I 
grew up in the Northeast and megachurch was was only something that I ever saw on TV <laughs> or when I went to visit family down in Nashville and I would drive by them on the way, you know, to and yeah. fro. It wasn't something that I knew to be a viable career path. How does one get their start with megachurches? Uh, mine, I kind of fell into uh, because the church grew so fast. So it was in Orlando. It started at like 500 people or whatever and was into a 5,000 people within a year. So I worked all the frigging time. I, I don't even know if I had a day off for a couple of years because it just grew quick. And there was one, <clears throat> excuse me, there was uh, one sanctuary, one building, you know, so we were having six services on a Sunday just back to back to back to back. And then like a youth service on a Tuesday and a young adults on a Friday and a prayer service on a Wednesday. And so it was every day something was going on. So it was like a really fast moving theater, you know, for a long time. And uh, then we also rented it out for weddings and funerals and what have you. So um, it just kept growing from there. And I just kind of grew with it, you know, got them into uh, the digital switchover. Then they built a new building. So I got to do some install stuff and learn about installs, which I do a lot of now during the pandemic. I've been doing more streaming installs and camera work than I've ever done in my life uh, with churches just because of my contacts with them. Um, and then started doing trainings because I had gone through all of that with the digital switchover. And so a lot of churches in Orlando and around Florida, as they were starting to switch into digital, I would get phone calls like, Hey, can you come teach my people how to do this? We don't even know what, what this knob does or what is, what's a PAFL? What does that mean? You know, and, and most churches run on volunteers. So I started marketing myself to train them, you know, and I was like, okay, there we go. I'll make a little side hustle there. And uh, when I was not on tour, I'd come back and train people. And then my business kind of started growing from out of that. Well, it sounds like your path is very similar to Brother Banks in certain respects. I've, I've never really thought of the megachurch as effectively a small arena, which in many cases has its own in-house production and, you know, relies on volunteer labor, but otherwise right. a small arena. The preachers are effectively, you know, rock stars of the Luya and uh, yep. five th 500 to 5,000 in a year. Yeah. I mean, that's Again, that's, that's like the trajectory of a heat seeking artist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting to think about the parallels there. I think that we could keep going down that road considerably. Now, Brother Hamilton, we're almost done here, but I know you had a time restriction. Do you have anything else for us before we jump, especially as our in-house audio guy here today? Let's see. No feedback. No feedback Thursdays. Let's rock with that. Kyle, did I, did I hear your uh, Chargers season ticket holder? So this is what it is. I'm a Raider <laughs> fan. And Here, so here's bought, what it is. I'm a Broncos no. fan in this house, and so we got season tickets. <laughs> so I'm a season ticket holder for the Chargers, but for the Raiders. I'm on the Raiders. Yeah. I'm on the Chargers visitor side. Same. So I could rock my Raiders so, stuff and be good. We're going to be so wait, Claire, so You're a Broncos fan, so you got season tickets for the Chargers, 
at SoFi Correct. to be, see the Broncos. Oh, we're the same person. Correct. I love you. Yes. That's a, that's, I love it. I, I want to play this class. Even... I'm just a little bit shorter. We're basically the same person. You look yeah. very much alike. Very and, much. And, I mean, our, our guests know that Kyle and I are like twins. We are very similar in, in you know, so many ways. Um <laughs> But you two, I see the resemblance now. Now yeah. I see it. I, I mean, I got to respect anybody that'll lay down their money to be season ticket holders for one team in order to see their team. Well, it's, it's, the- it's not to see them because you can just go buy a ticket. But the SoFi Stadium is awesome. I mean, exactly. The stadium is awesome. And I'm glad you said that. We've had Mitch Bornstein head of business development for the SoFi Complex here on the program. He's a great guy. I've known him for years. Um, really, really like the guy. And but, but I have to say, especially for Chargers fans, the idea that anybody buys a season ticket for a team that isn't theirs can't possibly speak volumes about that <laughs> Well, but they, they're getting better. <laughs> I mean, they're getting better. So I might not sell Phillips every single Rivers ticket. leaves and they get better. <laughs> Sean Merriman leaves a few years ago. They're getting better. All their best players, LaDadian Tomlinson gone years back. You know, these guys are gone. They're getting better. Are you sure? You know, I have about two years of NFL experience slash knowledge. So I'm not even going to get into this conversation. Kyle, why don't you jump in on that one? Tell me, are the Chargers getting better? They're terrible. Um, They're not as bad as my team. My team's the worst. Again, like I said, I I did it. Wait, which is your team? The Detroit Lions. I love them dearly, but at the same time, it's painful. I respect the hell out of you for even admitting it. I'll admit it. I grew up in Michigan. I can't get it out of my blood, and it's bad. Okay, I have family from from uh, Traverse City who have been. You know, Lions fans forever, and and I remember Thanksgivings. Yes. You know, for years and years and years, and we and we had to watch the Lions game. I mean, we'd watch all the games anyway, but the Lions always fucking lost. Always. Like, what is there to be passionate about? I don't get it. It's, it's the, the Barry Sanders Lions. That's oh, official. That's my team right there. I still I mean, have my Sanders even, jersey. I'm, I'm even still there. Barry Sanders lost. teams lost, were lucky to be eight. Barry eight. Sanders was I mean, amazing. Come on. Barry Sanders was one of the greats Agreed. all the time. But and you know, a, a good Lions team in the Barry Sanders years finished eight and eight. Like, yep. let's be honest. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. They got touched. <laughs> okay. Raiders well, got touched too. And I'm still rocking with them, but you know, when you rock with your team, you rock with your team. That's right. You know, they took my money for the team, so (laughs) I'm good. Oh, matter of fact, I also said I shot straight the other day too, so keeping that in there. My first time using my weapon since I got my glasses, and I was (laughs) ten on ten. So, but on that note, it's been a pleasure, and I will talk to you. Appreciate you, Brother Hamilton. Thank you for being with us today. We have an ongoing thing here about Brother Hamilton's penchant for shooting, um, when he shoots, what he shoots, how he shoots. Yeah, he likes to talk about his shooting as if he's, you know, an expert marksman. Uh, Dallas, you feel like you've got something to add to that? Come on. Don't be shy. <laughs> no, no. He's just shooting away, shooting at the golf range, shooting at the gun range. Well, remember, for a couple of months there, I think we kind of beat him into submission. It became 
shooting at the golf range exclusively. It's only, you know, in the last couple of weeks, he's kind of eased back into the notion of pulling out his, his weaponry. Bex, Claire, any, any feedback on that? What do you think? Nope. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. Bex, Claire, I feel like I'm all over the place today, but you guys have been a lot of fun. I appreciate you being with us on the program. Dallas, I'm about to go into quick, quick hits unless you got something to add to the table. I do not. It's been great. Copy that. Well, our series of quick hits, short answers. Bex, you first, then Claire, your first tour. What was it? Oh, a tour that was off Broadway with a bunch of people that used to be on Broadway. So the lady who took the original role of Evita, uh, that lady, and then some people who were their husband and wife couple that played Raul and... uh, I forgot the lady's name in Phantom, uh, Christine. And uh, so there's a bunch of them all together. And we all went out and did like an Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of tour situation. It was weird. Fun. Copy that. <laughs> Claire, weird. Great Got songs. Yes. Two words. Jagged Edge. Nice. Oh, Jagged I'm Edge. I'm jealous. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Right? Okay. I like that. I like that. Okay. A favorite moment, Bex. Uh, working favorite moment, like like a long However, tour working, just a favorite question. moment in general. I'm having a favorite moment right now. Uh, <laughs> Boom! There it oh, is. There you Claire, go. your turn. No, go ahead, Bex. Come on, you can do it. Some- uh, favorite moment. Uh, sitting in the middle of a field at the New Orleans Jazz Festival with the Indigo Girls, and hearing the crowd roar cool. on the downbeat. Super cool. That is very cool, Claire. Probably playing the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, uh, supporting Pink, my home stadium, best stadium in the world, and yeah, of course. Best stadium spoken like a local, <laughs> not by someone who's worked in it. <laughs> it's very big. I walked 13 miles that day. It was insane. I was like going right. to the top, to the, like That's all crazy. around, taking pictures. Yeah, I'm were a you big... with Pink in Australia on, in her last run? Well, I was, it was with Vance Joy with Pink, so we only did the European tour. Uh, but we were there just after she was there in in, um, in Australia, and she did like thirteen shows, or I don't know, like three weeks, something, Some, ridiculous. something ridiculous. Yeah, at the, at the place. no, it, not just in, in Australia. When we were there, Dallas, were you with me when we were there last? So. When we were in Melbourne, she had, starting like the week later, she was doing 14 shows in Melbourne alone. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were playing in, I think, was it Rod Laver Arena? Um, and they've, they've got like mm-hmm. things dedicated, yes. like poles wrapped for bathrooms. her. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's all female <laughs> bathrooms. Is, dedicated she is to the pink. biggest artist in Australia yeah. by a mile. People don't understand. She is that big. Yeah. Huge. Okay. Next question. Bex, back to you. One thing about the industry you'd like to see us change moving forward. What is it? Oh, gosh. I, I don't even know. Did, does Come everyone on. get stumped on this? I, I don't know. Um, go to Claire we'll come first. Back to come you, back. Claire. I got to think go about ahead. it. Is it too basic just to say more women? <laughs> that's no, where that's I was going to go with it. An too. opinion is fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, yeah or more, maybe Bex can have that. More women than I'll say. <laughs> just maybe 
present an easier pathway. I know there's there's something magical about it being quite difficult to get into it when you're in it, but when you're out of it, it's annoying. So maybe presenting a little bit more transparency of how to get on tour, get a job on tour. Totally respect that. Bex, I'm not accepting her projecting an answer on the year. So we've got something. What do you got? I would really say, uh, you know, more diversity and, and more gender equality in our industry. I just think it needs both, you know, and a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree totally with that. Sorry, agree. diversity, not just, not just gender. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You guys got to work on your, you know. <laughs> we got to get together. Who gets what answer? <laughs> stick, the stick that they don't have. Maybe we can do that when I've we're on the I've been talking to board. my dog for like 16 months straight. I'm glad so. that we guys can kind of give you guys some pointers on how to do your Sound Girl specific <laughs> podcast between the two of you. Now you know where to work on. There we um, go. There we go. Anyway, getting you both out on a softball. Bex, shout outs. What do you got? Shout out to uh, sorry, I don't. I'm confused. What do you oh, want me to Christ, shout out? Oh, Christ! Don't make about? it a hard one. It's I'm Claire, making it a hard one. I don't do fast questions. <laughs> shout outs to to I'm like people I love. Out. What do you want me to shout out? Shout out to the Sound Girls podcast. Come check us out on Tuesdays. Yeah, that, my my dog Spiky. There you go. I, I I'm lost too. Yeah, I was like I was like, you want me to shout out to everybody I know? Like, who do you want? <laughs> shout out to my mom. I didn't think that was the stumper. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> I thought I was getting you off easy. <laughs> Dallas, do you have any shout outs for today? It is March. It's almost the anniversary of this hellish year of being at home and not working. And um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's spring soon. People need to think about water safety. People need to learn how to swim. People need to get on that with their children, with their adults. It's very important. So there you go. Copy that. Well, Bex, Claire, we appreciate you both being with us today. You guys are a lot of fun. We hope to bring you back. Soundgirls.org, if I am correct. That's Is correct. that right? Yep. Soundgirls.org. We believe wholeheartedly in pipelines and creating opportunities. Uh, we love what you're doing. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, you know, let's let's get that number up to like at least seven <laughs> at least before long, <laughs> or seventeen, or oh, there we go. twenty-seven, <laughs> or you know, fucking fifty. Fifty, <laughs> heaven what? forbid! Oh my god! Exactly. <laughs> we, you know, we want to see the touring crews be reflective of the actual population, the actual the places where we go. If you're in an Asian country, you should have some Asian crew. If you are in Australia, you should have some Aussies. And whatever the male-female breakdown might be should be equally reflective. That's my wish for today. So on that note, we appreciate you guys. We've had fun. To our audience, check them out, soundgirls.org. You know where to find us, hustlelikeyoubroke.com, HLU podcast on Instagram. Don't bother with their Facebook page because it's fucking private for some reason. <laughs> but do you have an Instagram? Maybe. There is an Instagram page. Sound Girls. Yeah, go for it. There it is. Sound Girls. Check it out. We'll see you next time. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Hey, this is Tech Support. Want to make sure you never miss the newest from Hustle Like You Broke? 
Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HLUB Podcast and sign up for our mailing list by going to hustlelikeyoubroke.com slash join. You'll get updates about new episodes, bonus content, exclusive offers, and information on how to become a part of the music industry. Thanks for listening.